This is Profit Talks, a podcast produced by Hayek Global College and dedicated to exploring how you can ethically maximize profits. For more episodes, please visit hayekcollege.com slash profit. Hello, my guest today is Anastasio, Anastasios Avranas, Greece, and now living in Luxembourg, right, Anastasios? Welcome. Uh, it's nice to be here, and thanks for having me. Welcome. So, Anastasios is an entrepreneur with a diversified experience as a partner and advisor for several startups. He has a background on investment banking and corporate finance, and his current venture is called Interfima, a professional network of banking, insurance, and healthcare specialists. So, Anastasios, tell us a little bit about Interfima and what you do. Okay, uh, so we started Interfima around uh, 10 years ago, and it started as a professional organization that provides uh, training and development. But then we saw that, uh, you know, expertise is not there to be limited. So over the years, we have uh, also explored the advisory and consultation services. And lately, we have also gone into digital transformation with the, uh, with the use of digital tools that we produce and um, license. And through that, we had the opportunity to engage both with the corporate world, so, you know, big banks, um, large insurers, as well as healthcare providers. But also through these uh, links and associations, we had the opportunity to also engage with startups, growth companies, and even entrepreneurs uh, that, you know, uh, wanted to explore and also um, I would say leverage the, the experience and the background we had in order to uh, position themselves better in the market. So, um, with your experience with corporate finance and investment banking, uh, maybe you could answer some questions that I always get confused. And I, I believe my, my listeners will also appreciate the, the differentiation here of a couple of topics. Mm -hmm. As we talk about you know, funding for companies and startups in general, there's the seed capital, there's a lot of terms, you know, seed capital, venture capital, uh, private equity, and I, I, I wanted to, to understand the difference between these types of, of funding. Okay, well, you know, I would say as a very generic rule of thumb is that, you know, the different types of financing are relating to the, to the amounts, so the size of the financing. And also the uh, the status of the company. By saying status, I mean their their um, activity phase. Whether it's a startup, whether it's a growth uh, company or a mature one. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have, you know, depending on again on the region, you may have like uh, private placement, like in private investors, which usually start as uh, as I call the three Fs, which is uh, friends, fools, and family. <laughs> and then you go to other private investors that may be coming from your, um, you know, from your circle that could uh, generate um, and contribute more uh, funds for your business. And then as we grow, we can go to pre-seed, seed uh, financing and all the series uh, ABC till even an IPO. So I would say that the, the classification could go like small amounts starting to be invested. So it's private investors and uh, friends and family. 
And then as we we climb the chain, um, the ladder, the financing ladder, then we go private investors and VCs for the uh, for the seed financing. And then as we grow stronger and the company becomes um, more solid in terms of returns and uh, and, and and outcomes, then the private equity jumps in. And how would you? Uh differentiate a startup from a growth company? What's the difference? Well, typically a startup would be any idea that has uh, been formulated in a, to a company or not a, uh, not even in a, in a business entity. So like we're, we're deciding to do something together. So we call ourselves a, a to be incorporated startup. Mm -hmm. uh, well, a growth company is something that's out there for, for a period of time. Uh, has uh, already, um, you know, produced uh, clients. I mean, uh, revenue from clients and shows that he has like a, a growing uh, activity year over year. Mm -hmm. So a startup is is a company that is still in the, uh, I guess, prototyping phase. It's creating a product. Uh, I would say. I would say, and this is also the. Um, a definition that uh, most developing banks so uh, uh, share is like uh, a startup could be any company that may be coming from zero uh, uh, zero uh, revenue or uh, income. Mm -hmm. So let's say a few million, as long as it's like up to three or in some cases up to five years. I would I would stick with the up to three years. So if if you are in, in up to three years in activity, regardless what you produce, so you can, you are considered a startup. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And um, if if a financial entrepreneur uh, is is let's say I'm creating my startup mm -hmm. and I'm interested in um, finding money, you know, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe I have already been through the the three F's. I I got some money from the friends and fools, and I I, I made a start. Um, and I want to attract like a a, a professional fund. Uh, what what should this person do? What where where should he start? Okay, well you know for me uh, at least this is my mindset. You may discuss with someone else, and they may have a different approach. But for me, you know what's what's really important is that what you have built. And what you have, uh, you know, put into design or production to be really needed in the market. So, you know, bef and this is a, an issue that most of the startups uh, present. So they want to raise funds without even formulating or finalizing what they will be doing. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you have to be to have a very clear understanding of what you do mm -hmm. and how you do it. So I would say. You know, before anything else, you have to do uh, this exercise internally and then start building slowly a small client base. It doesn't matter if you raise, uh, if you generate uh, lots from from your operations, but you have to show that, you know, what you're presenting and what you're offering has already a market out there. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, then it's much easier to attract capital. And when you say you should have a good idea of what you do, um, do, do you do you have a, a certain framework of what, how how to do that? Like for example, should should we build a business plan? Is there a certain way to do that business plan? How would you go there? 
Well, I would say you have to be as straight to your business plan, but also as a flexible that it may uh, allow you to change your strategy, but not change your uh, final out, you know, final goal. So mm-hmm. I, I've seen startups that um, they were in the in the tech industry, uh, like safe driving and insurance, uh, you know, policies and so on. Mm-hmm. But they had they had a decent product, but then you know they were getting an inquiry from a client that they didn't want the, the the solution to be used for for the insurer, but they wanted to use like a vehicle tracking. So they were saying every couple of months, okay, we got a client there. There is a prospect. Let's change the the model. So after two years, you could see this, this, the startup being at the same point as day one. Mm-hmm. So this is the most uh, tricky thing. And by saying knowing what you do is like. Okay, you you want to create something in order to deliver a service that has that X value. Mm-hmm. You have designed your roadmap to that. So actually, you you know that you have to go from point A to point to point B, and you need to stick to point B. So you just need to shift and adjust and um, you know play a little with your uh, with your roadmap. But you have always to have your mind and in point B, unless something that you have already started is, you know, the, the market has changed. So what you believe that will be good for the market, uh, you know, six months ago is now not that appealing. So again, then you have to, to to pivot and see what you can do in order to save the day and you know come up with something uh, of of, uh, of use. And when you say um... Uh, going from like let, let me let me see if I understood. So you're going from point A to point B. B is your ultimate goal, and mm-hmm. the way you get there might change in the middle of the way if you when you discover uh, what you're you're doing. Uh, and but you would say point B is like um, what value you're creating to your customer. How would you do you define like the yes? Well, goal? actually, yeah. What what's the service? What's the product? What you what is the output of uh, of using your product? What what you need to avoid is you know changing point B to point C to point D to point F mm-hmm. as time passes. So because at the end of the day, you don't have the resources to do everything. So you have yeah. to stick to what you believe it's it's most important for you, and and that usually has to be the the point that differentiates you from the others. <laughs> and I, I I can see that keeping a focus is a very big challenge for for startups right because usually these people have a lot of ideas and they want to do so many things but they can't do everything at once so like that's yeah well you know apart from that you have to go one step behind uh earlier in the in the process and also validate your your idea because this is also what what funds usually say that okay Okay. when we're discussing with startups every startup thinks that uh, they have an idea that's like it's going to change the world. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. But the I would say the, the problem is that they believe that the idea is or the yeah, the idea is 90% of the success and 10% is the implementation. Mm-hmm. While it's the, the other way around. So you may have a good idea. The good idea, it's the starting point, the, the 10%, but the 90% is the process that you have to implement in the market in order to be successful. So the the implementation is going from A to B, is mm-hmm. what really is appreciated in in, uh, in 
in the fund industry and whether you have uh, you know the the opportunity or the high possibility of getting uh, the funds you need what are the main concerns of the funds what do they usually ask what, what's what's the typical questions well, you know, it, it depends. It's a case by case uh, scenario. So mm -hmm. one fan might say, okay, you're fantastic. I want you with the other one just may not ever respond back to you. Uh, I would say that, you know, from my experience, and I've also seen it in, in projects I've worked in is uh, there are two major factors. First, are you scalable enough? And before that, what's your team? So is your team competent enough? Do they? Do you have uh, a strong bonding between you? Can you work together? How long mm -hmm. do you know each other and things like that? Because for me, after so many years, it's not about the money you get. It's not about the product you have. It's about with who you work with. And I've seen startups starting great, like, you know, having the whole market, uh, wanting them to implement their solution. And, you know, going going south because the the team wasn't uh very cohesive mm -hmm. before we continue this podcast let's run a quick ad on hayek global mba let me give you a good news during the past century on average import tariffs have fallen drastically all over the world making it ever more globalized commerce has risen Walls have fallen, and nations have become more connected as people enjoy higher living standards. It also means there's a lot of opportunities for those who can connect businesses, people, and cultures from different countries. How do you prepare yourself for this new world? One easy answer is, take some time off and go get an international MBA at an Ivy League university. But we know this is easier said than done, as you may have several constraints such as your family, a job, and it also costs a lot of money. What if you had an option of taking a part-time global MBA course officially accredited by the Ministry of Education in Brazil, which is 1. Truly international, with top-notch professors and students coming from all over the world, Two, practical, with a curriculum focused on developing the skills and competencies that will most closely match what you will need in the job market. And three, for a purpose, where you will discover how to create the most value and improve people's lives through the practice of business with transparency and integrity, while also maximizing your profits. Welcome to Hayek Global MBA, a one-year online program designed to equip you with the tools to make a real difference in your company, lead world-class teams, and ultimately contribute to a freer, more prosperous, and peaceful world. Let's talk. Please visit HayekCollege.com MBA. And uh, have, have you seen any startups... Uh, being successful with only one entrepreneur, like one on one partner only, and uh, uh, trying to yeah, I'm trying to think one, but uh, I, to be honest, I don't think so. Well, the one entrepreneur might be the person of the startup, the the the, the face of the startup, 
but you uh -huh. have to have a team in order to to succeed yes um and if if i let's say i'm a i'm, I'm a here with with a startup we're growing and i i'm ready to look for a fund right i <laughs> i think i have the, the, a tested concept and I have the business plan and everything working for me. Um, where should I where should I go? What what should, what should I do? Should I go in the internet, look up private equity funds and start calling the first ones I see or what what's the, the, the process there? Okay, well there's no any rule of thumb for me. It's okay if you if you definitely know someone that knows someone, so you can start by referrals, which is number one, you know, approach for me because it's it's much easier to bring down the walls that funds have in, you know, cold emailing or so. So, for instance, let's say that I'm 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 in need of uh, raising some capital, and I know mm -hmm. you were friends, so I know that you know someone in the fund industry and you are uh, close, so. You know, the easiest thing is to ask you for an introduction and, uh, you know, start with that. Of course. But even, but even I would say that uh, in some cases, uh, reaching out directly, but, you know, again, the, you know, in order to email a fund, you have to know uh, what's the industries they're investing, what's the ticket size they're investing, uh, what, what are the criteria for their investment as a general before you send something out? Because, you know, starting and sending out emails or suggestions or uh, presentations of what you want to do without first doing your homework, which is, um, you know, screening out and selecting, let's say, 10 funds that you believe they fit for your needs. Actually, it's a, it's a match making. They want someone like you and you want someone like them. So if if these these terms don't apply, uh, it's going to be a, um, a rejection. So I don't think it, it's bad to send also cold emails, given that you have done what's needed and you have identified the five, ten, fifteen funds that you want to reach out. And what what should the the person have in mind? Like should should he have a, a PowerPoint presentation? Uh, should he have a a business plan. Okay. Well, what's what's the, the, the things that he? Okay, basic business plan. Uh, at, at, you know, as a starting point for definitely not because you know fund managers or anyone within the these funds, uh, whether these are VCs or private equities at the later stage, they don't have the time to go over uh, you know long business pages plan. and yeah. everything. Yeah, exactly. So you have to have something prepared as a presentation within let's say ten slides. But you have to stick to some very specific, like, uh, okay, what's the problem? What you are seeing? What you are resolving? What are the differentiators without their market? What traction you may have? And what what is it that you request? And why you request it? So I need like one hundred thousand in order to do one, two, three, five things, and they have to be to to generate some, uh, I would say, logical relationship between you know, the use, the source and the use by mm -hmm. saying source what you require because they know the market, you know, fund managers and investors know the market like, um, you know, like the back of their hand. So they can directly identify whether what you require is, is what is what is really required uh, for a startup to, to succeed or to grow. Interesting. So an idea is, is go straight to the point, right? I, I can recall a uh... 
think I saw a presentation from Guy Kawasaki where he says that you shouldn't uh, make a presentation that is over 10 slides. 10 slides True. is the most, is most uh, you, you should go. And um, uh, so bas basically just to summarize what you would have, it's a problem, a solution, what you're doing, how much you want and what you're going to do with the money, I guess. Yeah, and, and what's your current market, market traction? So anything like, for instance, if we are, uh, let's say, setting up a partnership between ourselves, that is, uh, you know, it, it adds points to the presentation or to the venture because it, it shows that it can be easily go out, can be replicated, it can, you know, there is some, some basis there that uh, testifies that the project is, is really active and it's out in the market or it's already ongoing. Mm -hmm. And and something uh, and for me the most important thing is to and, and here is where the the financial things kick in is that you have to require what you exactly need and not mm -hmm. more and you have to justify based on um, your expectations about what you are going to make towards what you are going to to ask because. Then you'll have to balance out what you're giving out as equity, mm -hmm. and what uh, and what would be also the expectations of the investor towards uh, his uh, placement in you. So the, uh, that's a good point there. So when you say uh, ask exactly what you're going to need, um, it's what you're going to need for this phase you're at. Because if if you if you if you ask somebody, oh, well, how much money do you need? Well, I, if, if I could ask for a lot of money, I, I would have just enough. To, I would want enough money to to keep. If my thing, my 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 venture goal as I as I imagined it was going to be, I would have still some money to be comfortable and um, go through some hard times and then try other things. But you're saying that you you wouldn't want to do that, right? You wouldn't have to want more money than than you than you need. Well, it depends. Even if you put a cushion out there, like okay, I may need. Two hundred thousand, but I need like fifty thousand as a as a working capital in case of need. Mm -hmm. Then you'll require like two hundred and fifty, but then you have to how can I say compare that to to what will you be giving out in in relation to the pre sales valuation of your company. So if your company is uh, valued at uh, you know five hundred thousand, you go out and ask. 250 then it's like giving out very early 50% of your equity mm -hmm. so actually you have to keep a balance between what you want to give out like um, like equity and keep it low at least at the beginning because that that will be then be used for the next rounds and you have to have the the tools in order to to offer equity to to potential investors in the, in the other rounds and not be directly I would say not to be 100% controlled or um, what's the, affected by what your initial investor would be mm -hmm. uh, thinking at that time. So, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you know your needs and, and you know what you expect if those needs are met. Like if, if I invest like 250000 now, what I'm expected to, to get back in two, three or five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually in the past we were doing projections for 10 years, but given the, the market situation and how fast things change in our times, I would say three to five years would be more than enough. You know, mm -hmm. I, I usually prefer the three years uh, horizon because especially with 2020 in, in place, 
you know, keeping it, showing that you can be successful in a short time of period, but, you know, realistically successful, not, you know, just starting with, uh, let's say, 250 and then saying, okay, well, by three, year three, I'll have like uh, 50 million in, in revenue. You may have it, but you have to be able to, uh, to justify that and also um, bring your, your proof to, to your explanation and the assumptions that you use. So you have to not mainly contradict, but actually put in, into a weight what you are asking now with what you are going to make in the next three years. Mm -hmm. And that, that, because that will, uh, that will generate and, and that will determine your value. And then you can then determine what you are requesting with what giving out as equity towards that value. Okay. So uh, sounds complex. Yeah, let me let me let me try to understand that better. So you're gonna have, um, I'm I'm no, gonna request. Let me let let me put it differently. Right. Um, okay, we're not going to discuss about valuation processes and so on. So let's use as our valuation process that the the value of the company would be like the net income of its year times uh, the average net income of the next three years times ten, for instance. So I make uh, let's say one hundred fifty thousand on average for the next 10 years. So my value for uh, of the company would be 1.5 million for the next three years. Okay. So if I, I go and ask for 500,000, then against the pre-sales valuation based on my assumptions, uh, 500,000 will be matching 30%, 33% of my equity. So actually, this is like the exercise you have to take between what you are asking now uh, towards what the the company's value is expected to be. Okay. Uh, and there so are two two trends there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started the the modeling, so I can't stop. Sorry. So there are two trends. The the entrepreneur wants to keep the the equity that it's offering low. Uh, and then you have the uh, the fund that wants to get as much equity as it can because after three years they want to raise the, they want their contribution they, what they expect is that you suggest that you get 1.5 million in, in in company valuation within these three years while the fund would like to see that going to five six or even more. Of course. So as so as it's a negotiation, much, right? And exactly. So it's it's like. your expectations towards theirs. But working together, you can make it happen. And you usually want to talk to more than one fund to to have other options, right? Or is oh, that yeah, definitely. Definitely. And does, is it is it normal for more than one fund to be interested in a certain company? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that. Um, yeah, it, ha it can happen, but depending on the on the amount. So if you go for hundred thousand. It will be difficult for two funds to to co-fund that. It's too low for them. I mean, you know, at least from what I've seen and what I've uh, expected. But if it's like a private investor, so even you can find private investors investing even you know in the U.S. like a pre-seed or a seed could be like seven hundred thousand U.S. for instance. Mm -hmm. So again, in, in that case, you can see uh, more than one pr private investors uh, going to a venture and uh, co-financing together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so let's if the company is is in the very beginning stages, like a, as a startup. Uh, 
uh, it's it's different than if a company is already past the growth level and it's already a mature company for the valuation mm -hmm. purposes, right? So if if you're and like there, a, and when you're in the, your growth stage, I think which means that you already have like uh, generating revenue. Uh, well, at least at some uh, decent levels, you have more uh, financing tools to use against a startup. So like, for instance, it's very difficult for a startup to get a debt uh, financing while a growth company could get it, you know, given that it satisfies its, uh, some of the conditions that are applied. Yeah, I, that, what I was going to say is exactly that. Like, um, the, the, the earlier you are on the stage, it, the harder it is to get a valuation, a, a, a precise evaluation, a more accurate evaluation of how your company is worth because you don't have you don't have revenue yet you don't have a, a, a proven uh, concept and then when you're growing it's it's, it's a little easier it becomes um, it's still speculative how much you're going to grow how much you're going to be able to sell but once you become more mature it's easier to make the valuation right well once you start have, uh, having activity well i would say that even uh, the very first years that you are incorporated and you have an activity based on your accounts you can have evaluation which is not very in favor of the entrepreneur so what kicks in there is the expectation of what you are going to make and what you are going to get and this is accepted by the kind of investors that you seek at these very early stages because so, what they're, they're investing to is the future while in the debt case what they're investing to is your current situation so, okay, these are your past uh, financials. Okay, I can give you up to 100,000 for the next five years, for instance. Mm -hmm. But so, so when you're at, the, at a very early stage, uh, you don't have, um, like anything that you say, it's, it's more speculative that, about how, how your company is going to grow. True. Nobody, nobody knows that. That's why, that's why it's very important to, for, for funds mainly to, assess and explore the the team so know more about you know more about your your partners and who you work with so that's why the team becomes more important than the actual business when you're at the very early stage yeah because because the team is the one that's going to put the let's say the the dream into into action the yeah. to make you know to make something out of nothing so if we are friends for years, if we will have worked together in other ventures, if we are, uh, you know, you are in business, I'm in technology and someone else is in finance, mm -hmm. you know, all these add value to what you are starting. Yes, yes. And uh, so uh, another question here is when when you're starting out, it's hard to make a valuation. So how, how do you make uh, the equity split between the fund and the, the entrepreneur, if you if you don't have a, a precise valuation of what the company is, well, you know, I would I would go a step uh, backwards because you know before uh, sharing shares with uh, with a third party, whether it's an investor or a fund, so whether it's an individual or a fund, another tricky point is how you split the equity between the the founders and the and the people in the, in the company. Yeah. So. Because, you know, it's one other thing I've seen is that, okay, we're friends, okay, let's do it 50-50, but you may, we may end up, um, you know, myself working 90% of what's out there and what's, what's 
in relation to the to the funds uh, activity to the fund sorry to the startups activity and you um, and you have like uh, you contribute ten percent of the of the workload yeah. and we have fifty fifty in equity so why you know okay at the beginning is everything fine but let's say we have an interested investor why should we uh, both uh, you know, get the same amount for the the equity that we're going to sell. Yeah, and the problem is sometimes one person works more and carries the other person with them, and then they both get fifty fifty. It's not fair. It doesn't give the incentive for the other one to work. True, and this is also something that you know I would say funds have a very strong understanding. So you know, when you start your negotiations and discussions, they will ask you, okay. Who's gonna do what and under what frequency and what's going to contribute on the day-to-day -day operation of the startup? And what's what, do you say? There's a, a better method for splitting the equity between two two no. founders? No, because it's a human relationship. So okay, if if I'm happy to you know if I work ninety percent, but I'm happy splitting the fifty-fifty, then we can go with that. So it, it's all about you know the persons involved. Yeah, and uh, and usually at the beginning you don't know that, but as time evolves and uh, going to more, well, as you evolve as a person and professional, then you know that thing starts uh, coming in and out, you know, more often than, or you realize it, uh, you know, from the beginning rather than at the at the end. And. How how important is it for the founders to keep control of the company in the beginning as you negotiate with the fund? Well, it depends. Like, what do you mean control? I mean, uh, it's, so for, everything's. Up, I would it, say that funds at these very early stages will usually, well, at least the funds I've worked with and I have contacts with, I know that they want to to apply a, a passive role. So I'm going to give uh, to give you the funds. Um, you do what you know to do, but I'll be there to just to monitor and oversee whether what's been agreed has been delivered. But there are also some other uh, cases like, I've, you know, to be honest, I've met with a private investor that wanted to get directly 80% of the equity so he will have control. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you reach a specific um, time, um, time, not timelines, what's the... Milestone. Milestones, yes, thank you. So he would, uh, you know, reverse the equity to the initial founders. So, but, you know, there's no any specific rule of thumb. It's all about understanding you know, first thing is to understand what you're being offered in in your term sheet, which is usially the 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 startup offers the terms to the to the fund, and then you have the negotiations, or at least, yeah, this is what we get, unless the fund has a very strict policy and has a a specific uh, uh, way of doing business. And then it's uh, everything is about negotiation, so. You may start from from something that you have in mind, come to something else. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, the important thing is, is there's no black and white. You have to be able to understand, and then agree to something that you would consider to be beneficial for the uh, lifelonging of your of your venture, of your idea. And that's why, you know, I would I would suggest that 
for new founders when they are entering uh, negotiations for financing to read the terms very um, very thoroughly to to be 100% uh, 100% sure that they understand them and if not to ask the the advice from someone that's in the market whether it's a friend or someone they know or someone they met once and um, you know just to give them the whole perspective of, of what's there and what's be um what's been negotiated and agreed in other words it's not just about how much money uh, you're receiving for your company but also what are the terms of the contract right how yeah because um you know it's not about the term well because i've you know, there, nothing is hidden, first of all. There are no small, uh, you know, small letters and things like that. But you have to understand what you are promising against what you are getting. Mm -hmm. Because that will be the basis that you'll be judged for your work. And, you know, funds have, and investors have been doing that for, for years. While, you know, it's founder... You know, in most of the cases, it's, it might be his first or, or the second time. And so, and as a, as a general rule of thumb too, anything that's in the contract is negotiable, right? You, you have to read it thoroughly and, and see what you, 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 you can actually change and negotiate within the contracts. Yeah, I would say that the contract might be the, the second or third phase of your discussion. So, mm -hmm. you know, in principle, you'll know what they will be offering and you will again, you, you have gone through the process and suggested what you are promising from your side. Okay, so 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 before you guys the contract, you probably negotiate the terms. Um, yeah, well, you know, you you may have like a, a terms a term sheet, term uh, sheets, one pager, MOU, and then like that. Yeah, well, yeah, all, all these things. So you know, you know how the thing goes before you enter the the signing process, but then. As I said, you have to be able to read and understand everything that's there and everything mm -hmm. that's offered. Of course. And um, talking about now the, 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 the times we're living, right? Um, we're going mm -hmm. through uh, one of the worst crises probably in the last century uh, that we, we have ever, ever lived, which is a health crisis, a financial crisis, uh, Everything all together in one, right? With the COVID nineteen, um, how how do you see uh, this is affecting startups in the day to day uh, operations of getting funds and attracting financing? Well, I don't think that you know it. It depends. Well, you know, given that you have the network, or given that you have the, I would say, the interest to look for financing. I don't think that you know the whole COVID thing has changed the or has worsened the situation because you know you know most of the startups right now are technology based, mm -hmm. so they have more flexible working hours, uh, working environments, so more maybe like a second nature to them, and uh -huh. you know given the situation, I think. And with the kicking of digital means, I think now startups may have more access to financing than before. By saying that, it's like, okay, there are, you know, every, you, you may have seen every week there might be like a demo day or an, uh, an invitation for startups to present in, in Europe, the US, 
Latin America, Asia. Mm -hmm. So now that everything has gone into digital, it's easy for a startup from Brazil to present in Europe, a startup from Brazil to present in the US and so on. So, you know, the market may be, uh, well, we have shifted the, the, the physical presence with the digital ones. So I think that gives the opportunity to startups to, uh, to participate in, in a broader market and, you know, raise their chances of getting financed. So you actually, you're saying that it actually got better now for startups, considering that everything became digital to, to yeah, seek funding so. even on a worldwide scale. Uh, I think one, 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 one thing is that, and the second one thing I've seen is that uh, funds right now, uh, VCs mainly, because, you know, investors, uh, investors, and because we're talking about private investors at the early stage might not be that public. So you know you don't know who's investing unless you unless there are some people that are very recognizable on that side. But mm -hmm. for VCs, I think they have also a, a more open mentality. So instead of financing or finding searching for startups and their own or companies in their own market, they have you know they're they're now became uh, they have now became regional or they want to attract talent on an international basis. That's very interesting. And so it, the, the, uh, it, it actually, with the crisis, it actually became a better time to become an entrepreneur right now, right? Yeah, well, yes. Well, to some extent, yes. I mean, like, for instance, it's also, I would say, the logistics of the, of the scouting and the, the economies behind, like, presenting in these days, like, for, for, uh, for a market uh, event in in the UAE, for instance, mm -hmm. you can do it. You don't need to buy your tickets and fly there. So you can do it from your computer. Yeah. Or the same thing with a, with a, an event presented in Luxembourg, asking for startups to present their uh, their ideas from all over the world. You just join through your yeah. You join from your uh, computer. You do your presentation. If they are interested, okay, you get a yes or a no, and that's it. Fantastic. Do you, do you think this trend is going to continue after the, the pandemic is over? I think the, the digital means are here to stay and uh, because it's a change of mentality in the people's mindset. Yeah. So, like, like, for instance, in Luxembourg, I think, uh, I don't remember the specifics, but uh, back in the first uh, wave, I think there was, the, the legislation suggested that remote working should be like um, a, not, a, a normal thing. And actually, they were, you know, giving incentives to to companies to keep doing that because they were, for instance, they had uh, lower energy bills, for instance. Yeah, it's interesting how to say that because uh, I felt the same at the education industry where 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 I work. Um, people change completely change the mentality of uh, having uh, to have in in-person class especially in higher education and it opened up many possibilities uh, for example what we're doing at right now at our MBA which is to do online classes with professors and students from any place in the world right and in, in many many possibilities well, for education say, has also arrived well I say that you know the physical presence and you know meeting someone in person cannot be replaced because you have much more to explore, but yes. given the times, you know, digital channels are, you know, more than fine. 
Yeah, given the cost of do, of doing face to face compared to what you can do in the digital channels, it, it's something um, true. And if if you are like, I would put it again on the startup side. So if you are on, uh, on uh, your risk mitigation, so okay, I guess I have raised from friends own or family's funds like thirty thousand. Okay, I'm going to meet people when the time is right. I'm not going to spend funds in order to, you know, travel here and there without really having a, a clear output. Exactly. Outcome. Exactly. So that helps a lot too. Um, now going to some more, more uh, personal questions. What, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you wish you had known when you started out? Something you learned the hard way. Uh, I guess there are many things. First of all is, you know, the thing I started with to, to be focused. So when you start, you know, being young and things like that, you are very excited. You want to do a, you know, a lot of things. So, okay, just stay focused on one and one that's done or is close to done, then go to, to the second one. Yeah. Having a, a straight focus on something and I, 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 I I have that same problem too. Um, even today, sometimes I, I'm, I'm in a project and I'm doing something and then I have a great idea. And then you, you start thinking, okay, let, let me do this great idea here. And yeah. then I go back to what I was doing before, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. You have to be focused. And uh, I, I, I think it was Steve Jobs, right? He said that the true focus is leaving out the good, the great ideas. You know, you have to, let let the great ideas go and yeah but but then there's another uh, uh, practice that's been followed and you know from i think they i was told that many ceos do that so you have an old traditional notebook so whenever you have a good idea you can write it there and when time comes you can just go back and see okay what i thought and whether it's still applicable and things like that uh, perfect so you never let never let the ideas go write it down somewhere yeah exactly there, and then one day you, you never back. know <laughs> That's a good point. And what what's something that you failed at? Uh, well, you know, I, I say every failure is a closer uh, step to success. Uh -huh. I think someone else said that. So I said the other thing that the battles that you lost are the are the ones that you you gain from, not the wins that you get. Uh, so well, actually, I had two major uh, fail failures in the back. The one was uh, with the maritime uh, company. Mm -hmm. So we had a major contract. I think back then it was like 1.5 million euros. <laughs> but okay. we were somehow offered if we could, um, um, you know, if we could uh, handle the paperwork and submit something by a specific date. So the problem was that I wasn't that experienced back then. I was quite young with the other partners. Uh, quite younger than the other partners, so I didn't step in to do that. I was waiting for the others to execute it, and uh -huh. one day before the the deadline of submission, nothing was prepared. Wow! So yeah, well, that was a major loss back then. And what did and, you learn there? Did you... uh, well, you know, it's I wouldn't like to say that um, you know if you want to do something, do it on your own. It's it's not like that, but I think that if you if you see that something's not moving, you have to step in and take the initiative. 
because uh, you know you're a team so you have to be always prepared to support the, the rest of the people even if they're not they don't require it they don't ask it or they may be incapable of doing so yeah because sometimes even though someone is responsible for doing something they may not come up to you and say look i'm having trouble come help me out yeah, or, or they may think that everything is fine until the very last minute, uh, everything is fine, and then you need their what their part to be finalized and in order to, to process yours. And you it's like eight hours before the submission deadline and you have nothing on your hands. So you just, you know, you have to, to be there in order to uh, take the initiative in order to make things uh, move forward. Yes. Um... And some, tell, tell us something you're curious about right now. Uh, okay, um, to find some uh, private time for myself, perhaps. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Which well, works. actually, um, I'm, I'm, I want to start like a new app for well, a, a pet project for myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would say that curiosity and the interest is, uh, you know, to finish with my regular work and have some time to to put that into action as well, because it's not going to take uh, long, but it has to have also some dedication in terms of uh, time allocation. And can you tell us what this app is about? Or is uh, it it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a cultural one. It's not uh, for me just to make it and take it out in the market rather than, you know, getting, having profit from that. Uh-huh. So it's more of a just, hobby for you. It's something that uh, really interests me and it's, well, it's an app, it relates to history and things like that. Well, ancient Greece and so on. Oh. So, yeah, so it's like uh, something I do with, with lots of love and, you know, wanting it to, see, to go out, but we'll see. It's going to be related to tourism or no? Yeah, spot on. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's a that's a business to come back after the crisis, right? Probably. Well, yes, but also you can provide like uh, some views or some, let's say, experiences for people that can't uh, travel. So mm. you they can, you know, go on, I wouldn't say virtual tours, but, um, you know, get something and read something if, inter if history is of their interest. Fantastic. And uh, is there is there anything that uh, you wanted to tell me and something you wanted to I should have asked you? I don't know. I'm I'm sure we're gonna have another uh, another session with uh, you know many questions that haven't been asked or answered uh, in this one. But for the time being, you know, I, I have I don't have something in mind. Fantastic. So I, I, this opens a, a great opportunity for us to have another one. Uh, oh, definitely. Pretty soon. I'm, I'm I'm glad to have the opportunity to do it. And th thank you very much, Anastasios. It was great talking to you today. Uh, great to be here. And, um, you know, I would I would close the interview discussion, you know, just, uh, you know, be careful and you guys all stay safe. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Profit Talks. Now, do you have any comments or other business-related question? If so, please send us be glad to explore it in future episodes. Also be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. We are on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and many others.